Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Human Element. This is Kara's podcast dedicated to the idea that somewhere in the midst of modern marketing, there has to be the beating heart of human intelligence. I am so excited to be joined by Tara. I did that part right. Walpert Levy. Well done. I'm just going to quit. That's it. I'm going to go lay down and take a nap. VP of Agency and Brand Solutions at Google, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We are super excited. We're here at CES. How Are you surviving? You know, I, I'm surviving. I'm only a day and a half in, so yes. we're right in the sweet spot of we've gotten energized, but yeah. we're not yet like absolutely worn out. Yeah, I got in Sunday night, so I'm definitely firmly uh, in the yeah, I want to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you're getting out soon. Uh, I, tomorrow morning. Yes, oh, perfect. But it's the Me crack too. of dawn. Ooh. Yes. Well, you avoid you avoid the traffic and the pains. So now that we've spent time around, you know, when are we getting out of here? Uh, <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about sort of your role? Sure. Um, and how it's evolved? Because I'm always interested in sort of how jobs like yours um, have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so I cover two types of things. One is what you'd imagine, which is working with agencies and and partners mm-hmm. to help your businesses grow, your businesses flourish, and to meet client needs better, our joint client needs. Uh, and the other is a series of specialist businesses that are around the brand solutions pieces, which for the moment, and to your point, they, they evolve often, mm. include things like measurement, creative, deals, uh, our multicultural business, a lot of the emerging areas. So when you think about how that team has evolved and how my role has evolved, a lot of it uh, is leaning even more deeply into that side of the house because those are the areas that folks like you and your advertisers are mm-hmm. asking about. Right? How do we evolve measurement to be more accurate, more effective, take advantage of all the new and more real-time data that's out there? Folks have finally, I think, moved past the media-only focus yep. to say, hey, wait a minute, creative you know, determines a lot of yep. the efficacy, so we need to spend time making sure that we are doing that well for the appropriate places that we are actually placing ourselves. And then looking at some of the just things that are hot trends. I think multicultural in the United right. States in particular uh, has never been more important. And so those are just examples of areas where I think we're spending more time based on new data, new technology, new capabilities. So let's talk multicultural just for a second because it is interesting. So like, what's the state of, of kind of that part of your business? Well, and it's fascinating because, uh, yeah, as you know, first of all, demographically, multicultural has never been more important yep. for a lot of the brands and agencies who are trying to grow their their brands. And I think that multicultural consumers actually consistently over-index on both how they use digital in general and how they use Google and YouTube's platforms. And so the question then becomes, how do you reach them most effectively? And that's where this team is spending most of their time focusing, because it's a challenge for a lot of marketers to essentially personalize their message in a way that is culturally appropriate, in a way that is language appropriate, and to weave that into their core general go-to-market as well. Because again, that demo is so big, it's sort of a simultaneous general market and multicultural approach. Right. We did a pod in the fall uh, with our multicultural group, um, and it was fascinating to me because I really hadn't been a part of that market for a while. When I was client-side, I had a particular piece of business years and years ago that was very involved in the Korean community. But um, I hadn't really thought about how it's evolved. And that that idea that you're trying to sort of knit the main focus of your core audience and the multicultural yes. bit together is really interesting. Absolutely. And I think there's an opportunity to do that now in a way that there wasn't before. Right. I mean, the reality is, 
for most brands, their focus is still locked up yeah. in just a couple television networks where you actually can't connect in quite that same way. Yep. And so I think helping people to think about it's, it's in some ways actually a really interesting microcosm of the broader challenge, right? Which is how do you go from least common denominator but easier yeah. from both a creative and distribution standpoint to a much more highly effective, much more personalized, much more impactful for people approach that unfortunately is also in the beginning a bit harder. So where do you think we are in sort of a optimal mix, <laughs> right? In sort of this, you know, age-old discussion of traditional investment versus digital investment. You know, for a long time, obviously, it was an easy game, and mm-hmm. that you know, digital was going to grow year on year and year on year. Yeah. As we've reached sort of a more mature level, where are we in that kind of continuum from your perspective? I, mean, I think we're in the middle because I think there's a wide distribution of where different verticals are. Mm. Right. So if you look at um, you know a lot of more digitally oriented type verticals, particularly um, folks who have taken advantage of the personalization in high revenue, high profit businesses like uh, insurance or right. travel, things like that. You'll see those those folks are probably majority digital at this point, yep. and probably should be. Yep. You look at a category like casual dining; uh, they're still heavily, heavily, yep. heavily in television, and probably have a ways to go. Yep. And then you've got a group of verticals, retail, other CPG, others that are more in the middle. So I think folks have embraced it in the sense that they recognize like that's where they and their customers are spending their time. And the new opportunities that are out there to take advantage of, but legacy mindset and behavior and processes and infrastructure are hard to change quickly. And so I think uh, we still have a ways to go. Got it. So you and I were talking before we started about how you were doing a little agency gossip last night. So let's <laughs> let's, let's let's spend a minute there. Obviously, for some reason, the you know agency business has an outsized. Mind share, I think, in the business press, probably because we are constantly under some amount of pressure or in some kind of trouble. Uh, we're like Dennis the Menace, I guess, in that particular <laughs> regard. But where where do you feel that the agency business is at this point, particularly after the departure of of Sir Martin? You know, in a lot of ways, that that was, I think, a bigger deal than even people understood at the time, because really he spoke for the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. when you thought about somebody who would get up and sort of defend the industry writ large, that was Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's gone, and there's lots of stuff going on at WPP and the other holding company environments. From your perspective, sort of on the inside, where do you think agencies are in their sort of health? It, it's fascinating, because as you point out, what the press talks about and what we see actually happening are, are not always the same thing. Yep. <laughs> and so I, I think one of the challenges actually has been that some of the press concern and and articulation of the death of the agency and so on was and is a bit overblown. But that in the beginning, I think, may have actually slowed down progress because yep. there's a just because one may continue to live and to be profitable and to have a, a solid business doesn't mean you don't have to future proof yep. and evolve quickly to be even more successful in the future and to avoid the the risk that all of us face, right? In yep. terms of of not lasting forever. So I feel like we have seen a pretty meaningful acceleration in call it the last two years in terms of agencies evolving their models, their business models, their product offering, their capability, much more significantly than I saw in the several years leading up to that. 
And I think you see some of the results of that. I think you see more, uh, we, we've seen different examples of folks who had taken work direct going back to agencies. Yeah. We've seen less discussion, not in the press, but in our actual life, yep. of clients talking about uh, taking business direct because they are more satisfied with what they're getting from their partners. And we see continued pressure because, again, these transitions, and I know you and, and others at, at Kara and Dan have been leading in a lot of different areas, they're not easy to make and they're significant. Yeah. And so I think, you know, again, we're probably still relatively early innings on what will ultimately become the the agency of the future. Yeah. But I think the the momentum is picking up and you know, as are more importantly, I think the impact both for your business and for the impact that's having on Advertisers in the end is is greatly improved, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I. I um, what do you uh, think? <laughs> uh, well, I don't answer questions on this show. No, I just, <laughs> um, you know, I agree with the point that you know the, the the press makes a big deal about it because it's a story and it gets clicks and what have you, and because there's a certain level of ingrained misery in agency people where with you know sort of self analysis and sort of you know uh, the level of being distraught to distraction is just part of the fabric of who we are. Having said that, I mean, there are fundamental issues that remain. Mm -hmm. And those are issues that are not new to the digital revolution, and they're not new to the last 20 years. They've been around for a long time. And Mm -hmm. most of them have to do with model and compensation for value. Absolutely. And so, you know, this is an old saw, but it's an old saw because it's right. And that is... You know, what would Nike be without just do it? You know, how mm-hmm. much would they pay yeah. for just do it if they were buying it in from someone else? Yeah. And the answer is it's literally priceless. It has you cannot put a value on it. Mm-hmm. But how much did Wyden and Kennedy actually make, you know, from twenty five years of that work? Right. We are a creative industry that does not have any follow-on mechanism for extracting value beyond when it is made. Mm-hmm. And as long as we are in that endeavor, I think we have trouble. The problem is, it's really hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, and if you broaden your point, I think the idea of moving to pay for performance in yep. creative and media is incredibly important to your point, both, both for yep. agencies recognizing the value of what they do, but also for alignment between agencies and advertisers, yes. right? It's a little bit insane to ask your agency to drive all of these key performance metrics, but then both compensate and in some ways evaluate them on the pricing of their television CPMs. Right? That's right. So I, I agree with you that I think this is a, a meaty, important, often discussed, but not actually yet moving significantly issue. Yeah. That that I hope we will see more of as we move forward. I think it's it's easier to potentially imagine how that could work on the media side of the business, and we have seen examples where specific clients have been more progressive in that. And I think both they and their agency have seen the benefit from that. We have seen fewer, but not zero, examples on the creative side, and, yep. and both are important. Yeah, it, it, the the challenge there, which obviously you know, but the challenge there is you've got to find the right. Client and the right client mindset, and in a lot of occasions, you know, the only job tougher than agency jobs at this particular moment might be CMO jobs. Yep. And so, because there is so much pressure in the CMO environment, you know, whether it's you know asks from the CEO around driving growth and change, whether it's you know deeper integration horizontally across the mounts of the enterprise, whether it's you know umpteen different things, you know, upscaling a a legacy skilled department in the marketing organization. There's a lot of pressures there, and so you know when the agency shows up and is like, you know, hey, we really have to reinvent our business model, and we need right. you to partner with us on that. It's like, hey, uh, I got like nine minutes on Sunday, that. you know. 
Well, and I think that, again, that represents the challenge in the entire industry evolution, which is just if there were an easy, quick answer to that, I think you'd argue that actually agencies and CMOs are very much aligned yes. on wanting to have tighter ties to business goals. The problem is it's not. And so then, and then you that's run right. into the challenge of you know, either that's all very interesting, but oh my God, there's a fire at the shoot in LA. <laughs> or you know, to your point, the CEO has called a board meeting and now the CMO has other priorities, right? So, so I, I'm with you on that. And I think that's the, the challenge we continually face, which is how do we balance uh, the urgent and the important? Yeah. No shoot I've run has ever had a fire. I just want to be clear. Not. Okay, good. Of course not. Um, let's change gears a little bit. What sort of work have you guys been doing that you are sort of the proudest of over the past couple of years? Is there something oh, that pick sticks among out? among our children, that's so hard. <laughs> well, I, don't worry, I will, I will definitely dig the knife in against those you don't pick. I will, ah, make, I will, I will well, ridicule them harshly. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I actually think, uh, I'll speak to some of the Google marketing work that I think we're particularly proud of, okay. in part because it, it also shows the, a lot of things that we care about and care about for clients, right? Yep. So we preach adopting machine learning and artificial intelligence yes. and taking more advantage of these in campaigns. And so it's nice to see when we bring that to life ourselves. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with, we did a campaign for the NCAAs last year. That, mm, yeah, yeah, I think right, I remember. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. It looked at like a lot of the history of what had actually ever taken place in NCAA games before yep. and let us basically make real-time predictions in the ads, yeah. in the shows, to say, hey, like this is the likelihood of an upset, this is the likelihood of you know, percentage of rebounds. And it was a nice example. It did not of, help me win my bracket. I just wanted well, to. Okay. Oh, well, now you're killing me because actually I was just going to say it was helpful to people. <laughs> in my particular, it was helpful to some people. In my case, nothing can help me. You know, I think it was UCLA won in 1995. That's the last time I won a bracket. So Ooh. yeah, it's Ooh. been a lot of it's years hard. of losing. It's yeah. hard. Uh, but I think the combination of, of using data and tech in a way that was entertaining and helpful to some mm. <laughs> in different ways um, is something I'm proud of. I think it's critical that we that we walk the walk yeah. on that. I think one of the other places that, and, and this is about Google, but I'm going to extend to the industry a little bit. You know, it's a very important part of the Google brand to be for everyone, meaning our products are intended for everyone. And I think we have also extended that to our marketing in terms of inclusiveness and marketing from you know, you're trying to look at diversity and inclusion and are we actually representing the world we hope to serve. And so I've been excited about some of the things that we've supported in the industry with the Ad Council. I don't know if you saw the STEM campaign that the Ad Council launched. Mm, um, it was about trying to encourage uh, women and, and girls in STEM. And okay. it was the cool thing, I think, was just mostly showing examples of you didn't necessarily just have to be like an engineer in a tech company. Right. Right. There's all industries are essentially tech now, and, yep. and there's a lot of different roles that play to that. And so that was you know, something I was proud of in terms of sort of taking it outside the house. And I think, candidly, the Ad Council has done amazing work. Um, some of the work they did on gun safety, yeah. some of the right you saw that that campaign. It's been very cool to see the the agency and advertiser ecosystem sort of step up to to make things happen outside of our day to day that make a difference. Um, are there brands generally, and, and literally, I mean this in the broadest context. Yeah. Um, are there brands that are doing, in your estimation, really good work, and who would they be? Just uh, you know, two or three. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think there are tons of brands doing really great work in a number of different ways. So I guess one example that immediately pops to mind is sort of in the same vein of, okay, who is taking a risk and using technology to create customer experiences that are fundamentally different for people? Uh, And so if you think about uh, how folks are using 
assistance and and data differently. Like a few folks pop to mind. Um, you know, Hyundai uh, now has the ability to sort of fully automate before you go into the dealer mm. all the paperwork, so you don't have to sort of sit there and suffer if you actually, God forbid, decide to to, to buy a car. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we announced actually here this week that United is the first airline who you can now actually check in just by Google Voice. You know, please check in oh, my yeah. flight, right? So that's pretty cool in terms yes. of just sort of saving work and pain. Um, Hilton Hotels has automated fully at the reservation and check-in process to be entirely on your phone. You can just walk straight to your door at the hotel. I think things like that are really cool because it's that customer experience and utility that is going to make one of the biggest differences in sort of ongoing brand impact. And then if I step back, I just think there's all sorts of cool creative elements out there, right? I mean, I love the the Nike work that you know has had been. Purpose-driven and um, brave, I think, right? yeah. in terms of taking a stand and pushing for, you know, are your dreams big enough? And you saw tremendous sales results out of that, but I don't know that you could have guaranteed that going in. No, you couldn't. I mean, look, I, 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 much has been made of obviously that campaign. Yeah. I, I, I think they had a nugget of belief in data around yeah. there was an opportunity, um, particularly versus some of their more significant competition where I think they had a weakness in younger populations. Yep. And so I think they said to themselves, all right, this is worth a, give it a whirl. I think that's right. Um, but I think it worked a lot better than maybe they originally thought. I think that's right. And there had to be a degree of risk in that sure. in terms of that, right? Absolutely. So I think I, I admire the courage and then just folks who are doing different things with insights and creative. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the the Brita campaign with Steph Curry. But, oh yeah, right. Like using influencers to make something that is a fairly, let's call it day to day product. <laughs> you didn't use boring. <laughs> I, so I, I, I didn't use my name, <laughs> uh, right? But it's a day to day product. And then bringing that to life in such like an entertaining and creative way yeah. that also like leans into the zeitgeist. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, sure or cherish is the designation that we use for ah, those brands. I like yes, that. Yeah. I have to steal that going forward. Yeah. Yes, please like do. That. No, I will. Yeah, I like we have an ongoing licensing uh, on that. Uh, so <laughs> and emerging, well, yeah. lots of revenue. Re- we didn't talk about new revenue streams <laughs> for the agency. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, t shirts <laughs> with sure and cherish on them. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so, obviously, you know, you've only been here a short period of time, and I know it's difficult to kind of get around and see a couple things with it. Has there been anything here at CES that's kind of jumped out at you? So, you know, uh, most of the what's jumped out has actually been from conversations with people, which mm. doesn't make such great, you know, podcast fodder. Um, and I'm headed over to the floor today, which I'm really excited yes. about. I haven't actually been there yet. So I guess the only thing I'd say that has struck me in the absence of having seen it for myself yes. is just the absolute pervasiveness of how AI and ML is being reflected sort of in the mainstream. Mm. And so what I mean by that is it's just cool to see Everything from automotive to home to fitness, and and the fitness and health and wellness in particular has impressed me. Like the breadth and depth of the products that are being brought to market, yes, I just think are very accessible and very meaningful for people's lives, and that's exciting. And so I'm I'm psyched to go see it in person. Yeah, the uh, we could probably call that the Peloton revolution. Mm, uh, yeah, that, that has launched a, a thousand ships. It would yeah. appear. Um, as an as an avid Peloton fanatic, I wholeheartedly endorse everybody that jumps in there, but. Excellent. Uh, I do love mine. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not a biker, so I, I found it hard to like engage. But the treadmill, yes, right, which was launched here last yep. year, I, I'm thinking hard about. So it was strictly the logic of, all right, I am, you know, 48 years old, and my legs cannot hold up running five times a week. Uh, yeah, and so I've got to, I've got to find a way to offset, you know, that with a lower stress workout, and that's why I got it. And I literally was like, this is going to be a chore, but I'm going to do it. Um, and I've fallen in love with it, but it has not made me a biker. Right, right. In some ways, like 
they are the sort of underpinnings of what everybody's excited about in terms of content distribution yep. and AR, VR, and you know, it's the more um, first step kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's cool. It is cool, and I, I again, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. But it is you do not. My argument here is you do not need to be like yeah, I still don't consider I've heard myself that a biker. Argument before <laughs> you're really you're just like I'm not in. I'm not in. All right, go with know. the tread. Whatever know. the hell it is. I tried. <laughs> I appreciate. It. I appreciate your care for my health and the diversity of what I what I do for exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for Peloton to pay me for this endorsement. <laughs> um, what things are you sort of, you know, aimed at this year? Do you have sort of a set of priorities or a set of things that you're looking to try to drive uh, in your part of the business? Well, I think there's a couple things. I mean, look, I think in tech in general, in Google in particular, and um, you know, with all of you as sort of agencies and stewards sort of across our business, I think trust and transparency quite candidly remains. You know, you're you're, you're giving me that smile. Well, like, I haven't asked yet, but <laughs> well, go ahead. Well, but no, I'm, 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 I'm volunteering. I mean, look, I see that's the best way to do it. <laughs> and we can and we can discuss and debate your point of view on this, but. Um, Google has, I, I think, had this on their front of mind for quite some time, and yeah. we, can, we can talk more about that. But I think, as to your point, as press has sort of taken some command of the dialogue, it becomes even more urgent to think not just about what we're actually doing, but how we're talking about what we're doing and how yeah. people think about what we're doing. So I think that's a big priority. Um, I think a second priority, which you know, again, often sort of drawn by you, our clients, um, is around trying to collapse the silos a little bit more mm. across product areas and what we do. So Google is just a good representation of a lot of the digital ecosystem, right? We have video, we have display, we have search. We launched things last year that started to connect those those things together, right? Like the ability to look at search insights for your video advertising. I think doing more of that and helping to just make it easier, cleaner, and simpler for for our customers is a big priority. And then I think again, just continuing to help you know agencies and advertisers who are who are deepening their capability and knowledge in these specialties that I was mentioning earlier, looking to help further and advance the the processes and people and skills and capabilities to make that easier and better. Uh, really kind of rounds out what we're thinking about. Yeah. So now we're in it, so I'll spend a minute here. I don't think it's unfair to say, I think it's reasonably objective. I don't know, you'll make the decision to say that. <laughs> it's always a good start. To say I, that believe you, I believe objective. it's reasonably fair yeah. in my, you know, absolutely unassailable judgment <laughs> um, that, that you guys have fared better in this conversation than your brethren in Facebook. If you agree, why is that? I guess I'd speak to a couple things that are helping us to fare well in general, leaving the comparison <laughs> aside. <laughs> I knew it was the comparison that would be problematic. <laughs> and you can make for yourself what you think of this in, in relative terms. But in absolute terms, I, I do think, and, and I hope that you and many of our other customers mm-hmm. would agree, Google has been very proactive about privacy, about trust, about transparency for a very, very long time. Right? We have always believed at the heart of what we do, you can't do anything without user trust. And we believe that you, agencies and brands, are aligned with us in the sense that a violation of people's trust would be bad for all of us. So if you think about, for example, many of the initiatives we've announced in the past couple of years about my account, my activity, the mm-hmm. ability for people to see very transparently what data we have, what data they want us to have, their ability to turn things off and on, 
we have, I think, been at the forefront of that. And frankly, many of the things that we have done and talked about became part of the core of the GDPR legislation in Europe. So we felt like that was very validating. I think on a maybe more humorous <laughs> side of things, you might recall there have been many, many things that you and other brands asked us to do over the years that it might have been in our immediate business interest to have done so. But we said we can't do that because it's too close to the gray in in privacy, right? And so many of those discussions we had about third-party integrations and various other things that sure. I think were very frustrating for our customers at the time. People are now trying to say, like, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> and, and then lastly, I think we've tried to get ahead of um, what's coming in terms of what we believe will be required across the industry based on people's changed or heightened expectations to have solutions like ADH or some of the other products that we're offering to try to help you take advantage of the customer insights that you do have permission to use and or wouldn't be personalized information in ways that are as impactful as possible in a very secure and, and privacy-protected way. And I would say that is different in terms of sort of level of urgency and um, ability to actually act on it than, than much of the industry, not just one competitor or another. You mentioned GDPR. We don't have a corollary here in the U.S. market. Do you see that one is coming in some kind of semi-structured governmental way? Well, I think you can certainly see legislation coming. We can debate structure, right? Because there's tons <laughs> of legislation coming out. Assuming the government is actually open for business, of course. <laughs> well, and you're talking about the federal government. A lot of the, a yes, lot of the legislation the right now right. is emerging through yep. the states, right? And so I do think that's one of the things that, that we are hopeful about is that you know, in a more structured national way, we will get yeah. to an agreement about legislation that it does make sense for people, for brands, for businesses. As opposed to California does its own thing and then a bunch well, of states Well, I think don't that, like that. with everything else, I mean, that's, that's a very hard thing to leave to the states in terms of just actually making it actionable yeah. um, you know, and understandable, again, either for the people who will actually react to it or for brands who will try That legislature operate. will try, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they have an activist bent. You have successfully gotten to almost the end when we do the lightning round. Are you excited by this? I'm excited yeah, by okay. this. Before we get there, I have one last question. Why do you love this business? You know, it's funny because I, I will say when I leave for CES every year, I've got three young kids at home and we'll just have enjoyed what is hopefully a good you know, family mm-hmm. holiday. And it, it is hard to get on the plane. And so I think about that every year because I really do genuinely love this business. Mm. And it's a couple things. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I'll start with the cliche, right, which is I grew up in this business, right? So, of course, I believe the people are amazing and unique and this incredible combination of right brain and left brain and the heart of why I do what I do. But potentially, I, if I'd been in another industry, you might think that also, right? right. So, <laughs> um, so what I love about the content of what we do is, you know, I think that it has the potential to you know, move people and society in a bigger way than almost any business out there because of the power of the pen. Right? I, th- yeah. I believe that storytelling matters. I believe that the people in this industry are committed to trying to affect change, whether that is through their brand and through their business or through their message. And that's just an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you. All right, lightning round. Here we go. Favorite digital experience, not a Google product. Oh, favorite digital experience. Let me think. Uh, you know, 
<laughs> something you use you, a lot. You, well, I'll give you one recently. Yeah. Well, it's not something I use a lot. It was okay. a one, it was a one off. But, oh, right. but um, I don't know if you use the the Spotify turkey playlist thing around Thanksgiving. No, I did like, not. That was super cool. They gave you a customized playlist based on like you typed in like the size of your bird. It timed it to the whole process. <laughs> it, most importantly for me, reminded you when you should take it out of the oven. Yep. Uh, and that was super fun. So I'll offer up that. Oh, uh, that's a great a, answer. A, a fun experience. That's a great answer. That would assume that I was anywhere near the kitchen, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't. You might not have been the target audience. No, I, I just I'm absolutely useless in the kitchen. <laughs> I have many flaws. That's probably my biggest. Um, Google, Google Home Hub. Just to, since you, you wouldn't let me mention our products, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like they can make you useful in the kitchen. Easy access to to YouTube recipes. Anybody can. do All right, this could be one of my New Year's resolutions. Okay, I the, like the it. Google Home Hub is gonna help me learn to cook. There you go. All right. I think that's on one of the ads out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just did an ad. Um, so best piece of content could be anything. So book, uh, movie, Netflix binge uh, that you've recently consumed. You know what I really enjoyed over the holidays was uh, I had not watched and I enjoyed both seasons of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It was great. Uh, super fun. I know a lot of our industry is super critical of it, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny and well done. So I haven't watched it yet, but I have friends who are like, you have to, you have to, you have it's to. It's great. I, I really mean, enjoyed it. Um, I was actually sick um, coming out of like New Year's. Like New Year's Eve, I went to bed at nine. Uh, you know what? It was fine. And New Year's Eve is not my deal yeah. anyway. But I, I did a little bit of, of Netflix binging and I watched uh, Dairy Girls, which is, oh. I think it's BBC. Okay. Uh, and it's about teenage girls who attend this Catholic school in Derry uh, in the early 90s during the Troubles oh, um, in Northern Ireland. And it is a satire. It, it is absolutely laugh out loud, screaming really? funny. It's wildly inappropriate. Your children <laughs> cannot watch it. Like it is, but it is bananas funny. Okay, um, all right, I'll add that to the list. And I did, I did enjoy Dairy Girls, yes, fantastic. Excellent. Best career advice you've either given or received? Well, I was just talking about this yesterday. My mother actually gave me the advice, career or otherwise, we mm. can call it life advice, but I've used it to pass along to many people, and I think it is one of the most important things, which is just that you have to be an advocate for yourself, right? Whether that is for you, for your team, for your brand, it's a busy, busy, crazy world, and if you're not actually uh, with you know reason behind it, trying to make an argument for why people should uh, do things that you think are important, it is less likely to happen. Uh, slash won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Uh, competitor you most admire? Hard to pick one, but if I, if I want to put one who's top of mind that's being lightning and all, I guess I'd say Amazon. Mm. Yeah, they're formidable. Thing that people should know about you that they don't? Well, I would say many many people in our industry in New York might know this, but for our California brethren, I think this is represented both of me and of New Yorkers in general, we aren't that tough. It's, just, <laughs> it's more bark than bite. We are big softies. We really want to be loved, and so do I. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so good. I, I like how you brought in sort of New York, California tension because it, to me, I, so I, I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. I you know moved many, 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 many years ago to New York City, and I, I, I'm a New Yorker. Um, I and, sense that by the speed of your conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I, I was a New Yorker living in Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah. too. Um, but I have always had this sort of West Coast thing, like eh, Cali, you know, like I definitely have a eh, that's Cali thing. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Let's recognize that there's a legitimate and and longstanding tension between New York City and California, all forms of California, I might add. All right, well, I'm not going to cause any peace doing that. And remember, all my bosses live in California, so you know, nod to California, just <laughs> acknowledging the tension. <laughs> um. 
Tara, you have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming to join us. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the rest of CES. You too. Have a safe travel home, and we'll see you in New York. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks. Thanks. That's it for us, everybody. That's the human element. We are doing a couple more out here at CES. Please remember that anywhere you get your pods, you can find us. And if you're so moved, you can rate us or even, I don't know, perish the thought, subscribe. We'll be back out to you real soon. Thanks. Thanks.